Hello, and thank you for listening to the podcast of the Vineyard Church Maryville here in Maryville, Tennessee. If you haven't already, you can visit our website to find out more information about our church or to find our full audio archive with all of our messages. So you can find all of that at www.vineyardchurch.us, or you can also subscribe on Apple and Google Podcasts. Now, let's hear this week's message. are in week 10 of 10 of Onward for Your Kingdom, uh, which has been a long sermon series and also our first ever big building campaign as we have a move on the horizon. Um, And I have an update on giving. We took a big jump forward. We're at $1,203,907 has been raised so far, which is really, really great. That is awesome. Um, So many of you have given so much sacrificially. It's really beautiful. Thank you, thank you. That's so much money. That's so much money. Um, So thank you so much for that. Uh, But you know, from the video, our our goal is $2 million. So we've come a really long way, but we're still well short of that goal. So you might be wondering, what does that mean? If not, you should be wondering, (laughs) what does that mean? Um, Well, money will continue to come in. But um, what this means, essentially, is we're going to be carrying more debt with us into the new building than we had uh, originally intended or, or thought. So um, I want to be very clear about this. That is something that we are able to do. Okay, so we did not set ourselves up to where if we didn't crush every goal, we would be crushed ourselves. That's not what we did. Our financial board's way too wise um, to let that happen. So it is something that we are able to do. Um, and also to be clear, the goal for this was a very aggressive one. It was that we could be completely debt-free and totally paid off on the new building three years from now. So um, what this means is we are still going to be working aggressively to pay the building off as soon as we possibly can, and probably, unless a whole lot comes in in the uh, you know coming weeks, then probably we're going to have to move that time horizon out. I don't know how far. That'll be up to the financial board. They do math. I do words. They do math. Um, I had a number of people ask, uh, are we still fundraising or is this like, or is this, or is this over? You know, like we did the 10 weeks. Um, the answer is yes. Yes, we are. Um, where we're at is we're at the end of the active portion of our campaign. So it's a 10-week active campaign. But as we know, it's a three-year campaign where we're trying to raise these funds. So what that means is we're going to shift gears significantly Um, We will continue giving updates along the way, opportunities to give. As new people come to the life of our church, they may want to jump in and be a part of it. Maybe you're in here and you're going, I haven't given yet, but I intend to. Maybe it snuck up on you. Um, Maybe you're waiting for a year-end thing. Maybe you've got circumstances that are, you need some stuff to sort of settle out first before you can decide. Um, And so some people are wondering, are we still able to give? And I would like to report to you, we're still taking money to people who will give us money. We will just say, yes, <laughs> we're still doing that. Uh, so, uh, but sincerely, if you're like, oh no, the three weeks are over. Uh, did I miss the opportunity? You did not miss the opportunity. And if you'd like to give, that's awesome. Please, please do that. Uh, you haven't missed the window. And if you're wondering how you do that, um, just the same way as during the three giving weeks, you use the pledge card, you fill it out, you drop it in, um, and we'll take it from there. Um, also, just in case, in case there were people like maybe a person hanging out just wondering, yeah, hey, let's see how far they get and how much is left, and then I'll just write a check for the rest. <laughs> we got your number. Like, now we know. 
This is what you've been waiting for. <laughs> so anyway, uh, people have asked, can we do year and stuff? Of course, just all that stuff is, is yes. Again, it's the end of the active part of the campaign, which means the part where we're talking about it a good bit every single week for 10 straight weeks. Well, that part is over. And now we're going to uh, just talk about it every once in a while and just a little bit here and there. That's the downshift. But um, we can still uh, give. We're still trying to hit the goal. That's the thing. Um, we're still trying to get the goal, and we still have faith for that, for sure. A little bit of housekeeping, really quick. Um, uh, a couple people have been confused about this. If you're setting up an auto draft for your pledge, so like the bank automatically does a bank draft, um, and you haven't already set that up, like you did the card and dropped that in, uh, but you haven't set it up, then you'll need to do that via our app, or you can do that on our website, vineyardchurch.us, and sometimes that's a little tricky. Um, if you have any questions at all, just let us know. Talk to a staff person. Um, you can email johnny at our website, j-o-n-n-y at vineyardchurch.us. You can give us a call. We still have a phone. It's 268-9668. If you've been around the vineyard for a long time, you know it's 268-WOOT. And um, you can uh, give us a call. We'd love to talk to you, help you with any of that. Of course, we were eager to help with that. Some folks have been like, I filled out the form and the auto draft didn't come out. And I was like, if you fill out this form, that does not give us the ability to take money from your bank account. There's <laughs> more to be done. <laughs> we got to fill out some numbers and all that stuff. So, and isn't that good that that doesn't let us do that? That's a good thing. All right, so that's that. Um, let me take a minute to pray. We're going to jump right into the sermon. Jesus, we love you so much. Thank you uh, for this beautiful congregation, uh, just the amazing things you're doing in the life of our church, the, the generosity of these people, God, who have, who have given and sacrificed and pledged so much at a time when there's a lot of uncertainty, so real risk and real sacrifice um, for the sake of your great name. And so, God, I, I know that that is has been and will be a beautiful worship to you in every instance. So God, we pray blessing and we express gratitude for what you're doing in our church. God, for those um, who maybe haven't given yet, but they intend to and they're still waiting, Lord, to, I don't know, get a clearer picture or maybe some circumstances to settle into their lives, Lord. I just ask that as they seek you, you would give them clarity. Um, they would hear from you. They would trust and obey. And uh, God, thank you so much for the way you've just provided beautifully for this church. For 18 plus years now, at every turn, you have been faithful, you have been faithful, you have been faithful, you have been faithful. Thank you, God, for you have been faithful. Now, as we uh, look to your word, I just ask that you'd speak to us, help our hearts to hear and receive what you've got for us here, um, and uh, help us to not miss um, the message that that we, we may need to uh, put in our pocket and take with us as we go. So help us to not miss out on that. So we ask humbly, Lord, would you let your kingdom come and your will be done in this room, even as it is in heaven. Amen. Amen. All right, well, it's good to see you guys. It's good to be with you. For folks who are online, it's good to see you. I don't really see you, but in my heart, I don't know. I'm glad you're here. Um, uh, I'm going to... I want to remind you of something that you guys have all seen plenty of times, more times than you would care to have seen them. Um, it's the aftermath of storms or natural disasters, something devastating happens. And then there's aerial footage where you get the flyover or drone footage, and you can see where like entire neighborhoods have just been just flattened and devastated. They're, they're hard to look at. But because they're hard to look at, those images stick with us, and we've, we've, all, we've all seen those images. And most recently it was Hurricane Ian. I mean, we, there's been, unfortunately, lots of times where we've seen stuff like that, Hurricane Ian being the most recent one. And um, 
After a major hurricane, I always come across one or two of these articles, and I came across one or two uh, again this year um, in the aftermath of that hurricane, and it was pictures of neighborhoods that took a direct hit, just the full force of Hurricane Ian, but you look at the aerial footage of it, and everything looks pristine and lovely, like everything's just fine. And then all around them, things are just devastated, and it's like, are those people like super prayerful or lucky? Did, did, the, did the like storm have a soft spot and just let them by? And then when you read the article, what you find out is that that's not the case, that it was not luck, uh, but in that neighborhood, every home was built to these extreme standards so that they're able to withstand a direct hit, the full force of a Category 5 hurricane. And so those are the ones you realize, oh, they're, they're, standing, they're standing for a reason. Um, so that mind, we've been discussing uh, last few weeks, and I guess now months now, um, how it's been, it's been a rough few years just in the world in general. Lots been going on. In some ways, as we said, the changes maybe have been even more abrupt here in the Bible Belt than they have been in other places. I don't think it's an exaggeration. I don't think it's hyperbole to say it's been kind of stormy the last few years. That's fair, right? You guys, Are you guys with me? All right, you're going to have to nod and do better, all right? I need to know that you're with me. Okay, so that's fair enough. Fair enough. So it's been a bit stormy. I mean, we're okay. Here we are. Feet are underneath us, but it's been a lot. It's not hyperbole to say it's been really, really stormy. It's been a tough go. So I thought about this. It reminded me of Hebrews 12, and at the end of that chapter, uh, the author talks about how everything that can be shaken will be shaken. Everything that can be shaken will be. Now, you might hear that or read that and find that alarming and think, boy, everything that can be shaken will be shaken. That's not alarming to me. That just sounds like life to me. It's kind of like, oh, yeah, that's how it goes, right? If you've been around for more than a minute, you know that stuff gets shaken up. The encouraging part of that verse is that apparently there are some things that cannot be shaken. By that, I think we should be encouraged. So anyway, uh, the benefit of a storm, don't hear me, you know, disasters are disastrous. Don't hear me saying anything other than that. But there can be a silver lining. And part of the silver lining of storms is it reveals to us what has been built to last like those homes that sustain the direct hit and we're fine. What has been built to last and what, frankly, hasn't been built to last? Jesus talked about this. If you're a Sunday school rat, you don't know this stuff. Church kids in the room will nod and remember Jesus talked about um, two different kinds of houses. One built on sand, one built on the rock. Let me just point out the house is built on the rock. He's very explicit. He said, those are the people who are obedient to his teachings. Those are the people who build on the rock. And just to remind you, last week, that was, we looked at the Great Commission. The people who are true disciples, he says, make them disciples, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded. Again, it's the same thing. A solid rock, become a true disciple, a real foundation. It boils down to obeying the teachings of Jesus. And then what that means is everything that's not obedience to the teachings of Jesus is sand. Just being built on things that aren't going to last. So if you're a church kid, yeah, yeah, I remember that. The house built on the rock stood. The house built on the sand, blown away. If you're not a church kid, you're like, what are you talking about? I got one for you. Three little pigs. Y'all remember that one? This is a whole three little pigs situation, right? In some cases, you got some houses and a little bit of huffing and puffing from a big bad wolf, and the whole thing gets blown down. And then some houses, that big dumb wind bag can't even make a dent on the houses that have been built differently and built with different stuff. The, uh, the subtle brilliance, I think, I don't know if you thought about this, but of that little fairy tale, um, is that the big bad wolf 
um, isn't doing anything but just blowing hot air. You ever thought about that? It's like it's just words. It's just noise. It's just sound. It's just someone insistent. It's someone loud. And that one manages to blow down two of the three houses. This is not a testament to the lung capacity of wolves. This is instead a commentary on how words, opinions, rejections, one loud mouth can be a storm unto itself, can knock many of us right off our foundation. It can be shattering. So anyway, like I said, it's been pretty stormy for a few years now, um, which means, as we said, we learn a little bit from those storms. We learn what's strong and what isn't, what holds and what doesn't. And so that means after a few years of storms, um, it's a good time now to stop and check in on things. So, how are you? <laughs> how you doing, guys? How you doing? Now, you can't answer in this context. If you did, it'd be weird, so I'm glad you didn't. But, I mean, uh, imagine that it's just you and me in a room alone, answering your mind. How you, or you and somebody you trust and or like more than me. That's fine, too. Asking you, how are you? And specifically... What's the state of your spiritual home? That's what this is talking about. What's the state of your spiritual home? Now, we all know we've seen a lot of spiritual homes collapse in recent years, right? So the storm came, and what it revealed is that those homes had been built on sand all along, that they had been built on something other than the rock. Uh, we've also, on the other hand, though, we've seen some spiritual houses stand so strong, like stronger than ever. Like the storms come, and somehow these incredible storms, they just highlight the strengths of these people. Like these are the rock people. These are the ones who built their house on the rock. And these are the people who have been a calming force in the midst of the chaos. These are the people who have been a beacon of light and hope and reasonableness. They've been a refuge in all of the storms because they're rock people. They're built on the rock. And Jesus said it's either sand or rock. So, what about you? Rock or sand? Have you been swept away, or are you stronger than ever? Which is it? Those are the options. Rock or sand. Don't you hate it when people do stuff like that? And they give you binary choices. It's got to be. You've got to fit in one category or the other. It's this extreme or that extreme. Which one is it? Rock or sand? One's amazing. One's gone. Which are you? Decide. <laughs> Don't you hate that? I am, I am, I've kind of done this on purpose. I'm being a little pastor aggressive right now, and I, I admit that. Because if you're honest and you hear me saying this, then you're like, I don't know, man, back off. I don't, like, most people are like, somewhere in between, right? Somewhere in between. I mean, I didn't shatter. I'm here right now. Give me a little credit for that, at least. But I haven't exactly been an unwavering beacon who just gets stronger and stronger as the storms come. Is there, is there a third option? Is there anything in between? Yes, there is a third option. Somewhere in between being swept away entirely and being stronger than ever, there is a third option. It is in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, if you have your Bibles turned there. If not, on the screen behind me. If you're expecting me to say 1 Thessalonians, I was expecting me to say 1 Thessalonians when I sat down to write this message. Also, last week's message as well. Have you noticed that I said I was going to talk a lot about 1 Thessalonians and then not so much? Um, my bad. I don't know. I, don't, I, I hope 
maybe to some degree, it's like the Lord has directed it, or maybe I just can't focus long enough. But just so you know, we didn't like, we didn't do First Thessalonians. We got to go back. I got a big fat incomplete on that one. We're going to have to go back and do it right. But I couldn't get away, especially these last couple of weeks, couldn't wait from particular texts. So we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. There are some similarities here. This is still the Apostle Paul. He's still writing to a church uh, uh, that he, a church that he started just as with the church of Thessalonica. We still have some stuff in common with this church like we do the Thessalonians, just different stuff. So that's another sermon. But I still think we can learn directly from this. Verse 9, Paul writes this really clear. You are God's building. So he's very clear. This is the illustration. And he's being very direct about it. You, and this is you, imagine you, you are God's building. Verse 10, by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. Now, I know that could be a little bit confusing. Just a little background. This is not a big deal. It's, it shouldn't be confusing. Paul is saying, I get it. I'm the guy who came and introduced you to Jesus and laid the foundation, and Christ is the center of everything. And I did that, and I was the teacher there for a while. But Paul did what he always did, which is he established a church and went on to the next town. And then other teachers have come in. This guy named Apollos came through, and he was a really gifted teacher and made a big impact. And probably other teachers have been around as well. And, and basically what he's saying is, guys, it doesn't really matter who your pastor teacher is. I'm talking about something bigger than that. I'm talking about the state of your spiritual home. So don't be thrown off by that. Here's what he says. Okay, you're God's building. He said, each one should build with care. That's the end of verse 10. Verse 11, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, I got to stop here because I'm a preacher and I can't not stop here. This is not what the sermon is about, but you got to stop right here because this is a bigger deal than I can possibly articulate. It's just the biggest of deals that Christ is the foundation, period, and there's no exceptions. Guys, you've been around, you know that I don't really stomp or scream. Uh, it's not really my style. But if that helps you, um, then picture me. I'm not going to do it. Picture me stomping and screaming and red-faced and spitting and veins popping. If that helps you, when I say this, Jesus is our foundation, period, and no other foundation counts for anything. If it helps you, you can picture me saying it very softly with a tear coming down my eye. <laughs> Whatever works. Let it land. Jesus is our foundation. He's our hope. He's our rescue. He's our salvation. He's our joy. He's our all in all. He's our everything and everything. There's no substitution for him, period, always, amen. Amen? Okay, cool. Now I'm going to move on. Verse 12. If anyone builds on this foundation, notice what he's doing here. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, then their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It really matters what building material you use, and the building material you use reveals the type of work you're doing as you build your spiritual home, and the day will bring that to light. The day. What does that mean? Did you notice that day is capitalized? This is This is not a day. This is the day. This is the day of the Lord. This is the return of Christ. This is the judgment of this world. The day. So again, back to verse 12. He says, if anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test 
the quality of each person's work. Let's think about this. I know I said fire and in church, and people say fire and church, our minds jump to hell. I'm not talking about hell. This isn't about hell. This isn't about purgatory. Purgatory is not a thing. But this isn't about that, even if that was a thing. This is about a purging fire. This is about fire that comes through and reveals what can take the heat based on what it was built with and how it was built and what cannot take the heat. What's been built to last and what hasn't been built to last. The day will serve as a litmus test to see if our spiritual homes were made out of anything good or not, to see if they were well built or not. Verse 14, if what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. Sounds good. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. It's a lot there. We'll unpack it. Um, last week, I talked about a crisis of non-discipleship. If you weren't here last week, you should know last week's message was a really big deal. Okay, so if you didn't get that one, be sure to get the podcast. This is like charting the course for where we're going as a church. Okay, so you want to you wanna grab that one. And what we talked about is in this crisis of non-discipleship, the idea of being a disciple of Christ, a true apprentice of him, of his, walking with him day in, day in and day out, has largely been lost. And the idea of salvation now is not about becoming disciple, it's about becoming a Christian. This sort of transactional understanding of salvation where people turn to Jesus for rescue, which is correct. They turn to Jesus alone as their foundation, which is also correct. But then they live out their lives on that foundation Hear me, never once investing the time or the effort needed to build a spiritual home on that foundation. That's what discipleship's about. So lots of people, maybe lots of you, were taught how to be a Christian as far as how to work the transaction and you get the fire insurance and you walk the aisle and you sign the thing and now you're a Christian but maybe you were never taught how to be a disciple or an apprentice of Jesus so you stand on the wrong on the right foundation but you don't build on it so picture a strong foundation close your eyes if it helps but literally if you would imagine a construction site and there's this lovely foundation that is there for the home that is to be built it's a great foundation. It is strong. It is all that it needs to be and more. But there's nothing more than the foundation. Now, picture someone standing on that strong foundation. That's good. It's a good place to stand. And there they stand. But now, it's obvious, not a trick question. What happens to that person in that situation when a storm comes along? I mean, they're going to get blasted. By the heat and the cold and the wind and whatever comes their way because they're exposed and vulnerable to all of it. They haven't built a spiritual home to protect them from the elements. If Jesus is your foundation, that's great. But if you don't build a spiritual home on that foundation, you are completely vulnerable to anything and everything. To every big bad wolf who comes huffing and puffing along. And because we have a crisis of non-discipleship, as we talked about last year, this is extremely common. This is the reality for so many. 
Or uh, this, and this is only slightly better, or we have built a spiritual home, but it's like made out of wood and hay and straw. It's like a, a, a lean-to or a shed or a teepee or I don't know. We build our homes, but we build them with flimsy materials. It's not the right stuff, so we build with nominalism. You know, like where you just have Jesus on the fringe of your life, but he doesn't really rule your days. Or you build it with emotionalism, right? So you, you come and you worship and you feel a certain way and that feels really good. And then there's nothing between Sunday and the next Sunday. Or, or triumphalism, where you just say everything's going to be okay. And so when the storm comes, you get blasted all the more. Or cheap grace, you know, God forgives me no matter what, so I'll do whatever I want. You know, or just any other sort of spiritual half measure that we're all, frankly, inclined to take. The scenario where we are Christians, but not disciples, not apprentices, who walk with Jesus. And then the fire comes, and it's all burned away in an instant. I'm not saying a straw hut is worthless. It, it might get you through a calm night, just a bit warmer. But anything more than that, it cannot withstand. So, y'all still with me? Okay, good. Thank you. Way better than before. This is what has happened as we have been riding out these storms over the last few years. We have folks who have Jesus as their foundation, as their Savior. And they thought they were in good shape because Jesus was their foundation and he was their Savior. And that's a good foundation. But the fact is they had not built a strong spiritual home on that foundation. And the net result has been they have just been getting blasted by every storm that comes through. The foundation held but that was it. So, back to Jesus' illustration. There's some who build on sand. There's some who build on the rock. The ones who build on sand, their hope was not in Jesus really ever. And so that just gets blown away. There are others um, who are built on the rock, who were standing on that strong foundation, and then they went on and built strong spiritual homes on that foundation. And those are the ones who have been the beacons of the refuge, the, the light, the reasonableness, the kindness, the love, um, the, the, the sources of hope and strength in the midst of all of this chaos. They've been the light and the darkness. Those are the two extremes. And then finally, there's this third option, the in between. In between. The hope is in Jesus, but no strong spiritual home was ever really built. And they've just been beat half to death. They've just been exhausted and flustered and because they're so, so vulnerable to every single storm. Verse 13, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to the light. It will be revealed, revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. Let's say this, if spiritually you would say, you're hanging on, I'm hanging on, hanging on by a thread, but I am hanging on. Here's what I would say. The fact that you're hanging on after all these storms, well done. And what that means is you're probably on the right foundation. Christ alone has held you. And praise the Lord for that. But the fact that you're hanging on by a thread and you're getting tossed around, you're getting ragdolled by all the stuff that's come our way to and fro, that probably means that you've either failed to build a spiritual home for yourself or you've been building with lesser materials. 
with wood and hay and straw. And your spiritual structure has been blown away. So what does that mean? Let's read verse 14 again. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss. I don't know what that means, suffer loss. I mean, my, my knee-jerk reaction is, well, it means the loss of whatever it is that they built. At, at the least, it means that. Maybe there's more to it. I, I, don't, I truly don't know. The builder will suffer, suffer loss, yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. The rewards for those who build well and build with the right material, those are abundant war, rewards. They thrive in the midst of this. They're the ones keeping their heads in all situations. We've had peace in all this chaos. And there's some, it's hinting at, I think, some kind of a, of a heavenly reward that's promised here as well, which that sounds even better. And that's been lots of folks. And it's been lots of folks in this church, thank God, for many of you who have been the rock people. Thank God. And I want to be clear about this too, if you're trying to figure out which of these three options you should, you should place yourself in. I want to be very clear about, about this. If you're a rock people... Um, that doesn't mean that you have done all of this perfectly or that you've never had a shaky moment in the midst of all of this. I don't know any people like that. In fact, I want to point out that you notice, we'll go back to verse 14. Sorry I'm bouncing around so much. Uh, what Paul says is true of the very best built spiritual homes. What it says is they survive. They survive. Yeah, no, they're there. They're standing. So maybe the windows are blown out and the shrubbery is a mess and things don't look lovely. But man, they're hanging on. Well done. They survived. So we're not talking about coming through these storms unscathed here. It's not what I'm talking about. Let me, just personally here, let me tell you what these storms have taught me about me. Okay? Two things. Number one, I have learned through these storms that my spiritual house is mostly strong. I had some weird rooms that probably didn't need to be there. They got blown away. But for the most part, stood strong. I've been building with mostly good stuff. And if this is like a pass-fail test, then I passed. I was pausing for applause, but it didn't. <laughs> Jeez, guys. Not everybody's gift is encouragement, but I thought maybe there were some in the room. So that's, anyway, whatever. Uh, so that's one thing I've learned about myself. Here's the second thing I learned about myself. I'm an idiot. And so, <laughs> you're, I hope you're real proud of yourselves. That's great. <laughs> that is the opposite of encouraging. You missed it. I just want to say, well done, and I love this church even more now. That was the right thing to do. Well done. It didn't happen in the first service, and they missed it. Golden opportunity. All right, but it's true. I'm an idiot. And in this, here's what I mean by that. Sometimes, like I said, I got a pretty good spiritual house. I've been building with the right stuff. It's holding. It's awesome. But sometimes, because I'm an idiot, I have a perfectly good house, but I am stupid enough to leave that house and run right out into the storm unprotected. I do that. I'll tell you a story. Uh, a decade plus ago, you guys, if you were here, you'll remember it. We had like a, a, just a whole bunch of just nasty tornadoes. You guys remember that came through 08, 09, whenever it was? And it just, I mean, flattened a bunch of houses. And it was devastating. They were swirling all around us in the middle of the night, of course. Does it ever happen in the day? No. In the middle of the night, swirling everywhere. Um, and, and I remember in that storm, we ended up going to my parents' house because at the time we didn't have a basement and they did. So that was the situation. It's like, we might need a basement because it's happening all around us. 
and we were there, and it was really scary, and, you know, <clears throat> thinking about the kids. They were really little at the time, and um, so we're pretty freaked out, and, but we're looking out, I was looking out the window, and I was seeing things happening atmospherically that I'd never seen before in my life. Like, it was incredible. And I was watching the clouds begin to swirl around. And that was terrifying, but it was also kind of awesome. And I looked at my dad with a gleam in my eye, and I was like, Dad, I think I see a funnel cloud beginning. To... He was like, I know, I see it too. And he had sort of a, 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 a light in his eye as well. And I was like, we've got to go get a better look. And Sharon looked at me, and she said, Aaron, don't you dare. She put her finger in my face. She was quivering. She was scared. She had a tear, I think, maybe. And this is one of those moments, you know, you get a few of these as a spouse where you get to put down the card and say, I'm playing the card, and you got to listen to me. Don't go out there. And I said, and this is not advice. Here's what I said. Honey, I might go my entire life and never get to see something like this ever again. I'm going. And I went outside. And my dad came with me, and we were like, he, I don't know if he came to protect me or from the storm or from her, I don't know. But we went outside, and we watched it, and it was, it was, I mean, it was awful. Don't hear this wrong. It was awful, but it was stunning and amazing at the same time. We watched the atmosphere begin to swirl around us, and what seemed like only a few hundred yards away, we watched a tunnel forming. Like, I think I knew what neighborhood it was at. We watched a funnel forming, and it was, again, awful, scary, devastating, but it was this awe-inspiring moment. I've never seen anything like that before. It's like, that's amazing. And then I walked back inside, and I saw Sharon. <laughs> and she walked right up to me, and she goes, you're an idiot, and walks away. And I was in big trouble. And she was right. I am an idiot. Should not have done that. But here's the thing. I am an idiot. I got a perfectly good spiritual home, and sometimes I go running out into the storm. Okay? So here's why I said all that. Even people with strong spiritual homes over the last few years have had some shaky moments. The very best of us have seen the worst of us. And we've had our moments. And maybe that's true of some of you the way that it is true for me. But for some of us, and maybe for many of us, the storms have proven that we've got a good foundation, but frankly, just not much more than that. Verse 15, if it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. So... Will that person with a good foundation of Jesus, but little else other than that, will that person be saved? Well, we're going to call back to the three little pigs here and say yes, but only by the hair of their chinny-chin-chins. <laughs> the biblical picture is that the person gets in barely, but here's the tragedy. Nothing of their life here mattered. It's all gone. Nothing they did lasted into eternity because they built their lives, yes, on the right foundation, but they built what their lives focused on all the temporary stuff, the wood, hay, and straw, not the eternal stuff. And that just, that ain't the goal. The goal is to walk with Jesus. The goal is to build strong spiritual homes to build with materials that last and in so doing store up treasures in heaven as Jesus said where moth and rust and I'll add storms cannot destroy. So what does this look like? All right, quickly I'll just say this. 
Um, we said a whole bunch of times, lots of things have changed. We're in a different context. It's a new terrain. New terrain. We got that. Okay. But I want to be clear. Yes, things are different, and so we have to do things differently. But it is not as if we need to now start all over and reinvent the wheel. I have seen people making this mistake, especially in certain corners of the church, where they say everything is different now. And the body of Christ is going to now function entirely different. The way the body is designed to form and to, and to function, that is now different. It's going to be totally different. It's like, a, it's like a different body now. It's like a sea turtle or a dog or a something other than what it was before. And now everything's different. We're going to eat with our ears and we're going to breathe through our eyes and we're going to start walking on our hands because the church has to be totally different now. No, it doesn't. The body of Christ will continue to do what it has always done according to God's design. It was a good design. We're not going to start hearing with our noses or using sonar or any other sort of radical departure from what's been working for 2,000 years. Hear me. We will gather for worship and teaching. We will serve one another in community. We will share in the sacraments. We will study the scriptures. We will pray fervently. We will seek the Holy Spirit. We will declare the name of Jesus. We will love our neighbors. Our core will continue to be our core. Do our methods need to shift as culture changes? Of course. Absolutely. But the good materials today are the same good materials as before. So sticking with the building analogy, we might have a different architectural flair to how we build and what we build. But we're building with the same good materials the apostles used. The gold, the silver, the stones. Now very quickly, I want to tell you what I, I, I really I think there's something significant here. Because as I thought about this, I thought gold, silver, stones, what does that correspond to? Like what are our gold, silver, and stones that we're supposed to build with? And so really quickly, and this is just a sneak preview, just a little peek of something we're going to be talking about a whole lot in the coming years. But I, I think there is something that corresponds to those gold, silver, and stones, the things that we should be building with. And if we ask ourselves, am I using the good materials? Am I building a house that will last? I think we build with these three things. The first one is spiritual friendships. We all need friendships, but hear me, we all need friendships that are about Jesus. That's an important distinction. You have friendships that are about sports, or friendships that are about hobbies, or friendships that are about parenting, and when you get together with those people, you talk about sports or hobbies or parenting, and that's great. But you need friendships that are about Jesus, first and foremost, and when you get together with that person, you know for a fact, if they call, you know for a fact, you're going to talk about Jesus. And when there's nothing to talk about, the conversation always turns back to that, because that's the default, because that's what the friendship's about. You need friendships that are about Jesus. I think it's one of the three materials that we have to build with if we're going to build a house that will stand. The second one is spiritual practices. Or as we've talked about spiritual formation, you've heard maybe the term spiritual disciplines. These are the day-to-day -day exercises that we do to intentionally walk with Jesus. The very foundation of this is daily prayer and study of Scripture. I know you've heard it. If you've been around church for a long time, you've heard it forever. Don't let it run past you. This is the stuff you build with. Daily prayer and study of Scripture. And then there are other spiritual practices that we've been talking about more and more. But things like intentional hospitality and love of neighbor. Um, things like silence and solitude, fasting and Sabbath keeping, etc. Okay? We can talk about those more, but that's the good material. If you say, am I building a good spiritual house? You need to ask yourself, do I have spiritual friendships? Do I have spiritual practices? And, and the third that I think corresponds here is a lifestyle of service and generosity. 
Am I loving my neighbor? Am, am I living outwardly? Am I, this is, you know what this is at the very core of this is servanthood. This is your deal ahead of my deal. Am I going to put you, and am I living a lifestyle that puts the people around me ahead of my own needs? All right, am, am I living below my means so that I can give beyond my means? Am I open-handed? Am I generous? Am I hospitable? I think those are the three things we build. I think we build with those three things, we build a house that lasts.